Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our bi-weekly episodes, you'll hear business leaders and entrepreneurs share how they put charitable giving and social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. You can find full show notes for today's show and join our member community at givetoprofit.com where you can also sign up to receive regular business giving tips. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and it would be great if you could make it easier for people to find us by leaving us a rating and review there or on Facebook. For every review we receive, we give a child in Cambodia access to a day of education. So now here's your host, business mentor, speaker and best-selling author, Alison McKenzie. Hi and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Give to Profit podcast show. This is your host, Alison McKenzie, and as always, I am delighted to be here. Now, today's episode is a little bit different to most of the episodes where I interview guests. I am going to be sharing some knowledge with you myself today on the topic of cause marketing and 10 common fundraising mistakes that small businesses make. And I've decided to do this for a number of reasons. I've had a few people say to me that they'd actually really like to hear more about the knowledge that I've got to share on the topic of business giving, charitable giving and social impact. And so I have actually decided to make sure that I record more podcast episodes which just involve me sharing my knowledge. But I also wanted to pull together a show on the topic of fundraising. And actually, it's going to be a couple of shows, um, this one and the next one, which are on the topic of fundraising through your business, because this is an area which I'm getting a lot of interest in. And while I have set up now, I have a live 90-day fundraising challenge that people can sign up to and work through with the support of myself and others that are going through the challenge. I I thought I'd share some of the insights, if you like, on the podcast as well. And so this is the first of two episodes. So today I'm going to share with you the common mistakes businesses make. And then in the next episode, I'm actually going to take you through a step-by-step process that you can follow in order to avoid these mistakes so that you can raise funds for causes joyfully, effectively and legal. Because the reality is that you've probably heard me saying many times before, the majority of consumers, staff and investors now prefer businesses that care. And there's so much research coming out now on the fact that all of those groups of people now prefer businesses that stand for more than just simply making money. Businesses that care about the community, people, the planet. And there's even research that now shows that consumers are looking for businesses to be supporting causes as well, which is encouraging for me, um, being somebody that teaches this. But I really just want to take you through some of the things that can go wrong. There's no doubt that incorporating fundraising into your marketing and business can be a really powerful way to grow your business, to feel good and to be actually making more of an impact and difference in the world at the same time. But it doesn't always work out as intended. So today I'm going to share 
with you some mistakes that I've seen others make. And also some of these are things that I have got wrong for myself, you know, on my journey. I know a lot of the time and a lot of what I share is what does go well. But as I did in my Give to Profit book, today I'm going to share with you some of the things that have tripped me up along the way, really with the intention that you don't make the same mistakes. So, Let me just actually run through the 10 mistakes, first of all, in a list, and then I'll just go on and talk a little bit more about each of them. The first one is breaking the law. Number two is undertaking the wrong fundraising activities. Number three is making fundraising ideas too complex. Number four is choosing the wrong cause to support. Number five is failing to engage with the causes themselves. Number six is not promoting fundraising activities enough. Number seven is a misalignment with your values, behaviours or business activities. Number eight is not measuring the impact of your fundraising efforts. Number nine is not telling others about the impact of your charitable giving. And number 10 is treating fundraising and business giving as a peripheral activity. So let me just run through each of those. And I am going to be referring to other resources. As always, I will put links to everything I'm referring to in the show notes. So make sure that you pop over to the show notes as well. And you can find those actually on alison.com, A-L-I-S-O-U-N.com. And then just go to the tab, Give to Profit and follow the tab to the podcast. Or you can just go to alison.com and go straight to the podcast tab and you will find the show notes for all the episodes, including this one. I would also mention that as well as having an online course, the 90 Day Fundraising Challenge, I do actually have a lot of videos on the topic of cause marketing on YouTube and on my Facebook fan page. So you can also check out uh, what I share there because I do already have a lot of content there on this topic too. And of course, I obviously write about a lot of this in the book. So let's just go straight into explaining each of these 10 common mistakes. Breaking the law. There are many well-intentioned businesses who mention they are donating a percentage of sales or profits to a charity or cause in their marketing. And in their marketing, I mean on their websites, in their emails and promotional emails that they're sending out. And they're just not aware that in many countries they could be breaking the law by doing this. In some countries, simply saying, I donate 10% of profits to charity, makes it obvious that you are not familiar with cause marketing best practices. And I was surprised to hear about such legislation when I started out, because actually all I was wanting to do was do good. And sometimes people ask me, well, why is this legislation in place? And what I now realise is that it has been put in place to encourage businesses to respect consumer interests, the interests of causes, plus ensure that the funds pledged are actually donated to these causes effectively. Personally, I've also found that the legislation is a helpful framework for points to 
agree with causes and charities that I'm choosing to support, but it also ensures that I'm actually putting in place all the right processes to support any fundraising activities that I'm doing. So if you want to find out more about that, I have written a blog and I have videos um, on and I, the, the main blog actually that contains a, a lot of the videos is called Cause Marketing Legislation and Best Practices. So I'll share the link for that in, my sh in the show notes for this and you can go to that blog and you can check out all I'm saying there plus get, you'll see the links to all the videos on this topic. So the second point was about undertaking the wrong fundraising activities. So there are a few critical success factors that determine whether a cause marketing campaign, a fundraising campaign that you um, include as part of your sales and marketing campaigns will be a success. And these include getting clear on the desired outcome of your fundraising activities, which I know you're going to be looking to raise funds and, and you may even set yourself a target on how much you want to raise. But there could be many, many other desired outcomes that might be worthwhile considering in, from the perspective of your business, the cause um, and any other aspects. There might be personal aspects too. Um, but as well as this, it's about choosing activities that are aligned to those outcomes and most, one of the really, really critical success factors is that you choose activities that appeal to a large number of your target audience, particularly if, you, if the fundraising activities that you choose to do are fundraising events, whether or not those are standalone with your community, your followers, your clients, your staff, or if they are um, f fundraising activities that you're weaving into your marketing. So, for instance, if you want to raise as much money as possible, plus attract more clients, more leads or sales, then it's important to choose fundraising activities that lots of your target audience will be interested in, will, will support and sign up to and participate in. So if I give you an example, whenever I've run online fundraising events on hot topics, so I, I quite, quite often run um, training masterclasses. And when I run these on hot topics, I've raised more money when I've picked, I've more, raised more money with the topics that are very much in the forefront of people's mind, the topics that keep people awake at night, the topics that are solving really um, important problems for them, than when I've picked topics on more unusual, um, that are more unusual, that aren't in the forefront of their mind. So it's important to be picking the what, what your audience really want help with or what you're picking something that your audience are going to be really attracted to. And I know that sometimes we don't know what will appear will, will appeal to our audience. And that's where sometimes, you know, I have run fundraising events rather than free events as a good way to test demand for what I might be wanting to do going forward. So sometimes when people are testing and piloting things, they do it for free. But actually, when we do them for free, we might be testing the content and the concept but we're maybe not testing the market because the market actually requires people to pay for things. And there's a massive difference between what people will pay for and what people will consume for free. Um, so, I mean, this is quite often a case of trial and error. But I think if you focus in on making sure you're choosing 
fundraising activities that are aligned with the outcomes you're looking for and that appeal to your target audience, then that is what you need to be start. That's a starting point for picking activities that are going to help you grow your business. And even, you know, saying this and even knowing all of this, I fell into this trap um, just last year when I started promoting Give to Profit with fundraising events. Because you see, Give to Profit isn't meeting a critical business need. It's not keeping large numbers of people awake at night. It's not something that people are searching for in um, Google. It's more of an aspirational solution and place to be. Now, in time, I do believe that people are going to, uh, more people are going to want to know how to do this because consumer trends are changing and because there's so much research now that demonstrates there is a massive business case for um, businesses to be supporting causes and the fact that businesses could be losing business by not doing good and not being able to demonstrate the type of things that I talk about. But we're just not there yet. And so what I find is that people who resonate with charitable giving and social impact seem to love it. They completely get it and they'll sign up. But those people are still a minority. There's still a large educational element for most people who need to understand more about Give to Profit and understand the benefits to them and their business before they're going to buy or donate. And so because of this, I found that take up of fundraising Give to Profit events is not as effective as offering a free tasted experience or to speak at others' events where there's other things happening as well, where they already have an audience. And But I guess what's encouraging is that once people hear what I've got to say, they hear me speak, once they hear me share the, um, some, you know, a basic training experience and they understand the, business, the benefits to them and their business of supporting causes, so for instance that they could save time and money in building their business, then I find that the conversions happen much better and many will buy a book or sign up to one of my um, services. So while I have chosen for Give to Profit specifically not to run at the moment fundraising events on the topic of Give to Profit, I am still raising funds through offering the events for free because what I do is, because I'm converting more people doing it that way into paying customers and because I make a donation for every purchase that is made and the the specifics of that vary across my product service range, then I'm still actually donating, ending up donating more money to causes than I would if I, um, well, actually, I'm just still ending up donating money to causes. And because I'm getting more conversions, I'm actually um, donating more money than I would if I ran the tasters as fundraising events. I hope that makes sense. If you'd like ideas for what you can do to raise funds, then I do have a free ebook, 52 Ways to Raise Funds for Causes Through Your Business. And I'll share the link to that on this podcast episode page. You can also find it on my website homepage at alison.com. So the third mistake that people quite often make is making their fundraising ideas too complex. The easiest and most effective way to raise funds through your business is to choose fundraising activities that can easily be incorporated into your business activities or that are designed to take you nearer the achievement of core business goals. And this includes 
when you incorporate fundraising into your marketing. Because remember, the fundraising that you do in your marketing could be anything from making a donation for every purchase that somebody makes um, to introducing fundraising events into your uh, into your sales funnels. When you make things more peripheral, when you take them outside your core business activities, it becomes something else to allocate resources to. And it could easily distract you and your staff if you employ people from critical business activities. So it's really, really important to be keeping your fundraising ideas simple. In my book, I, I, I share how a few years ago, I got distracted from my business when I decided to host the Gift to Profit Fundraising Tele Summit. And I decided to do this when I was just really thinking about the concept of Gift to Profit. And before I really had the expertise to be organizing something like a summit. And I did recognize I didn't have the expertise. And I did employ people to project manage the summit, to do all the technical pieces. But that obviously cost a lot of money. And so, and, and you know, it was such a large learning curve for me. And it also, the topic of the summit wasn't directly related to my core business activities at the time, the things that were generating me income. So there really were, there was probably two or three things that I did wrong in doing the summit at the time that I did it. And knowing what I know now, I could have, because actually what happened was that cost me money. I did still make, if all the money that I took in, I donated to the causes because I, there was no way I could have done that, a fundraising summit and... Um, not make, you know, made a, a good donation to the causes that I was wanting to support. But effectively, the cost of employing all the people that I employed, plus my time, cost me money. And I would have been much better to have just done a very simple fundraising event or started to donate you know, a certain amount from all the purchases I was making through my core business activities. And I would have been able to raise money instead of it costing me money. So... Um, but thankfully, that all said, you know, the support that I got and the response that I got on the topic was what really led me to get clarity in what Give to Profit was about and to be doing what I'm doing today. So I've absolutely, I've never had any regrets about it, but I guess I have learned a lot from that. And it was, you know, it was one of the things that prompted me to really look take time out to look back at what works what doesn't when it comes to fundraising and to come up with the steps that I talk about in my book and also what I'm going to be sharing with you in the next podcast episode and it's why most of my fundraising activities now are really really simple you know I've mapped out donations that I make across many of my business activities so for instance I sell bracelets when when I am doing speaking events or when I go to networking events and the you know the money that I make from those I donate to whatever cause or um, fundraising campaign I'm running at that particular time I make donations whenever I sell a product or service and I do this through an organization called B1G1 which you can again you can find the link to on the show notes and I've talked about them quite a number of times so when people buy one of my books for instance I give 30 days access of reading materials to girls in Cambodia 
when somebody buys one of my online courses. I provide a day of education to support disadvantaged child in Nepal. Um, when somebody leaves a review for my Gift to Profit book or podcast, I give a day of access to a child-friendly school to a child in Cambodia. Now, the reason that I've mentioned so much around education there is that, you know, for me... I'm on a mission to improve the lives of a million people through making it easy for businesses to become a force for good, but also through my charitable um, activities and the way in which I'm going to support causes that tackle poverty, education and justice or focus on those three areas. And those are the three UN global goals that I have aligned my purpose, my personal purpose, and also my business and give to profit around. So I also make donations. So not just when people buy things, I make donations whenever I have a business meeting, when, you know, with clients, when I have client meetings. So there's, there's many different business activities I've mapped across to fundraising events, uh, to, to fundraising donations. And as I say, I do. I make the I, the process I use is through an organisation called B1G1. And the way you can actually see what I've done is, you can actually go to my website alison.com, a l i s o u n dot com, and forward slash. Oh, I think it's giving. Oh, the the tab on the on my on my website actually says impact. And if you go to the impact tab, you'll you'll be able to see. Um, what I share there around all the things I'm doing from charitable giving, but also the impact I'm having. And you'll see there, there's a there's an app has a global map with lots of impacts and has a tracker that sort of tells you all the things that I've donated as well. Um, so, you know, I'm choosing to keep things much simpler than I've done in the past. And I also run fundraising events for my community and business network. Uh, I And personally, I don't know, I just like to remember that the first three letters in the word fundraising is fun. <laughs> and I just think that, it, you know, if, if we're going to enjoy doing this, if this is going to add to our experience of being in business, then it's so important that our fundraising activities are fun, are more than just being transactional cause marketing activities. And so that's something I'm going to encourage you to go off and explore. The fourth mistake that people often make is actually choosing the wrong cause to support. So it's much, much easier to raise funds for causes you connect with personally, which are aligned to what your business stands for and are geared up to partner with businesses. However, as with all types of organisations, there are causes that are poorly run, they're ineffective, they waste their money and resources that are donated to them, and there are many that don't achieve the outcomes they are working towards. So I do strongly suggest that you get clear about the type of impact you want to have, the type of cause you want to support, and you do your research before deciding which cause to support. And I have a there's a whole chapter on this topic in my book, which is quite lengthy because there's quite a lot to cover on it. But I also share it, the content of that in my blog, on the, which is just simply called How to Choose a Cause to Support. So I'll share the link to that blog again in the show notes and you can go off and find out about that if you don't already have a cause to support, but you would like to have more impact. If you do actually just want to get going 
Um, in the fundraising challenge, um, one of the things to mention is that there are actually a number of causes supporting that challenge. So you don't even have to have your own cause to, to support just to get going. You could actually join the challenge, pick one of the causes that are, support, uh, that are listed there. They're all causes that I know, and I know they're doing good work. You could pick one of them and just get into the swing of things and practice how to incorporate fundraising into your business. And then if you decide it's something you want to do on an ongoing basis, you could decide whether to continue to support the same cause or to pick one that is slightly more aligned to where you're going. This is this is a journey, you know. I didn't I haven't got to where I am with this by knowing how to do it all and doing it all right first time. I've started on a journey and as I said at the start, you know, there have been mistakes I've made. Um so what I encourage you above anything else to do is just get going. So the fifth mistake that people make is failing to engage with the causes. As I've already mentioned, there may be legislation that applies to your fundraising, particularly if you mention it in your marketing or sales campaign. It's nothing to worry about. Um, and But sometimes it includes the requirement to have a written agreement put in place between you and the cause that you're supporting. Whether or not this is a re legal requirement, I actually feel that it's a matter of courtesy to get in touch with charities and causes and let them know that you're fundraising on their behalf. So that um, you can, uh, you know, at a basic level, even just agree practicalities around how you're going to do this. So, for instance, what's the best way for you to collect donations and to process donations? Um, some causes actually do also have a lot of experience in partnering with businesses and may be able to help you come up with ideas for your fundraising or even support what you're doing. So I really do encourage you to start to consider charities and causes as potential business partners and to explore whether or not there's any potential to collaborate with each other. As I write about in my book, I've often found my desire to raise funds for causes had le has led me to, to, you know, to have so many other wonderful experiences with the people that I have known through doing that. I have some wonderful long-term partnerships and friends that I've made, as well as there being many different business benefits too. So the sixth common mistake is, and this isn't, isn't in the order of how often they happen, it's just it's, it's actually just the order that they came to me, um, is not promoting your fundraising activities enough. As with selling products and services, there's absolutely no point in your fundraising activities being the world's best kept secret. <laughs> Deciding what fundraising you will do and putting up on your page or blog of their website and you might you know going out there and mentioning it on social media a couple of times is you know unlikely to attract enough interest to reach your fundraising goals. I know a lot of people worry about just putting stuff on the internet in case everybody sees it but the reality is most people never see anything you post on social media nor in fact ever go to your website. So Unless you have an extremely compelling reason for people to support your fundraising or you have a huge, huge following of, of people who follow what you're doing on social media, who are opening your emails, then it's very unlikely just doing one or two things is going to be enough. You usually need to also have a well thought out marketing campaign or 
marketing plan that shares what you're doing and why. So in the same way you'd think about doing this for products and services, you would also be doing this for your fundraising. Now, obviously, if your fundraising is built into your marketing for a product or service, then it's one and the same. But remember to mention the fundraising aspect of what you're actually doing. The seventh mistake people make is misaligning their fundraising with their values, behaviours or business activities. Now, hopefully... The, the fact that you're listening to this means that you're not the type of person this is going to be a problem for. But choosing a cause or fundraising activities that don't reflect your values or actions will sabotage your fundraising efforts. So, for example, there's no point in being an advocate and supporting causes that strive for world peace. If you are confrontational or you're a bully towards others, it's, there's a complete conflict. Likewise, if your marketing communications focus on money, 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 um, you know, that six-figure or seven-figure launch or business, and that's all you're talking about and you rarely express any concern for impact or doing good in the world, some people may question whether you're fundraising for the right reasons. Are you just doing it because you know it's something that actually works and can help you get more business? Um, by contrast, when you align your business and your charitable giving to what's important to you, and this is reflected in what you say and do, you'll feel a much greater sense of meaning and connection to your business. Plus you'll come across as being far more authentic and trustworthy in the eyes of others. So hopefully, as I've said, that isn't going to be an issue for you since you're listening to this and you're interested in impact. But it is something that people get wrong, so I just thought I'd mention it. The eighth mistake that people make is not measuring the impact of their fundraising efforts. So, as I've mentioned many a times on this podcast, research consistently shows that most consumers, employees and investors prefer businesses that care about their impact rather than those who simply focus on making money. But part of being able to communicate that to our customers, our employees, our investors, is that we have to be measuring our impact so we've got something to tell them, something that, you know, a way in which we're evidencing what we're doing, that we can tell them, that we can talk about, that we can build stories around and videos and lots of different ways that we might want to demonstrate our impact. There is a difference between the value of the funds that you're raising through your fundraising campaign and the impact that you have. And so what you're looking to do is to not, you know, one of the reasons for measuring your impact is to be able to evaluate the return you're getting on your fundraising activities. So you want to be looking at, well, how effective have I been at generating money through my activities? And was that the best way for me to do that and to raise this amount of money? But you also want to be looking at, and how's that money been put to good use? Has it been put to good use? So what you're effectively doing is measuring the return of your fundraising efforts to enable you to assess what works best for you 
Plus gives you valuable data that you can use to demonstrate your impact to customers, to staff and other stakeholders who are interested. And that's something which I cover in um, the fundraising challenge, actually. Although there is also a chapter on that in my um, Gift to Profit book as well. So that's another option, another place you can find out more about that. And I actually go into it in more, even more detail in my social impact workshop, which I've been running locally in Edinburgh. And I'll be taking that online as an online course, an online programme later on this year too, where I go into this in quite a bit more detail. So the 10th mistake is not telling others about the impact of your charitable giving. This kind of follows on from the previous point in that if one of the reasons is that you want to be growing your business by supporting charities and social causes. And we know that consumer trends and what, what people are now looking for when they're choosing places to work or people to collaborate with or play, people to invest in is they want to see the good that businesses are doing. We need to be telling people about what we're doing because otherwise we could be sending, you know, our clients our, you know, and staff to our competition. And the other thing is that it keeping quiet about our donations, while I totally get that from a personal perspective, you know, as an individual, I still do things. You know, I still make philanthropic donations um, and I don't necessarily tell people about that. And that is fine when it comes to your personal giving. But with business giving, not only could you be sending clients to your competition, it actually isn't helping raise the profile of the causes you're supporting. And my God, do charities and social causes really need as many advocates and supporters out there as they possibly can. So there are many, many different ways to share your story, to be telling others uh, about the impact that you're having. And again, I share more about that in my Gift to Profit book and in the fundraising challenge um, so that you can check that out if you need to ha have a little bit more information there. So the tenth and final mistake that I see people making um, and actually hear about a lot is treating fundraising and business giving as a peripheral activity. So for years business support of charities and social causes, particularly for larger organisations, has fallen within the realms of something called corporate social responsibility, CSR. But it, for, there are many, many, there have been many, many problems about this approach, which I discussed in an earlier podcast interview, actually, with um, Rachel Hutchison on the death of CSR. So go back and check that if that's of interest to you. But one of the reasons that that that's you know not that's it's I guess we've maybe evolved so that's not quite so effective when when it's stuck on the edge of a business is that it was never really for a lot of companies it was seen more as a tick box exercise something they felt they needed to do to correct what they were doing wrong through their business to justify what they were doing. And in many, many, certainly of large organisations that wasn't brought into the core part of business, the values of giving and impact were not embedded across a business. And so now we're at a time where that is, it's definitely changing. But it's, a, it, it, I guess, what, what's going on in 
corporate businesses and larger businesses is also important for us as smaller businesses. Now, obviously, if you're just starting out with your charitable fundraising, it's totally fine not to be looking at how you want to implement it across your business. In fact, it might not ever be appropriate for you to ever do this. It might well be that donating a certain amount every time somebody buys something from you is all you want to do, and that is totally and utterly fine. This is about making a conscious choice about the extent to which you want to implement your fundraising and to not be having it as an afterthought, be thinking about it and, and giving it its place within your business so that no matter what stage of business you're at with your business, you are adopting some kind of strategic approach and making smart decisions about how you're incorporating it into your marketing or your business and giving the attention it needs and deserves to be effective. Uh, so that, and, and it, 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 when you do that and when you also remember to do the things that I've talked about earlier in terms of measuring the impact of your fundraising efforts and telling others about what you're doing and the impact you're having, it just becomes an, more of an expression of what your business stands for rather than how people could perceive it otherwise as being an afterthought. And, you know, if you're... Keep, if, if you're forgetting to really um, share and demonstrate what you're doing and the impact that you're having, it could really damage your brand or sustainability of your business. Other than when you run a very small business and people just know you locally, know the good in what you're doing and get what you're about. You know, when we operate in a local market, sometimes, you know, what we do personally in the community and what we do through our business is almost seen as one and the same. But where we are running businesses that are more and more online, we need to be sharing more of what we're doing because people don't see that as much. They're not seeing what we're doing in our personal lives as much. So it's really important to be thinking about how you, you know, bring what you're doing into the business and give it its place. So the core message from this episode that I hope you're taking away is that incorporating fundraising into your marketing and business can be a powerful way to grow your business, but only when it's done well. I hope you found what I shared today helpful. Please do share your comments um, on, my, on, the, on my website or in the posts on social media. In the next episode, I will take you through nine steps to follow if you want to avoid making mistakes so that you can have fun raising funds for causes effectively and legally through your business. And remember to obviously check in with that episode of the purpose of your fundraising is to have a positive social impact on the world. I will also be issuing, um, issuing, that's a very formal word, word. Um, I'll also be posting a blog on this topic. So it won't be exactly word for word for what I've shared with you today, but it will be covering the same topic. So if you want to actually print that off so you can actually have a look at that, then I'll share the link to the blog in the show notes as well. And of course, you are welcome to join the 90-day fundraising challenge anytime where I teach uh, business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders of small to medium-sized businesses how to use fundraising to help grow 
their business and do good at the same time. It's an online course that you work through the content at your own pace, but I have online support uh, through online forums and I also run live Q&A calls so that I can really help you implement your ideas, answer any questions, help you get the momentum going and really help you overcome any problems that you're having with it being effective for you. So again, I will share the link to that challenge in the show notes. So thanks very much for tuning in. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Give to Profit podcast. You'll find full show notes for today's show at givetoprofit.com where you can also check out how to join the Give to Profit member community, a special place that you can connect with Alison and other like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs running businesses that are both profitable and doing good in the world. Or you can join the Gift to Profit fundraising challenge to learn how to incorporate fundraising into your business and marketing in ways that are effective, legal and grow your business. To find out more, go to gifttoprofit.com. And if you don't already have a copy of Alison's book, Gift to Profit, How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes, remember you can get a copy on Amazon and the book depository around the world.